0: everybody welcome to the large nerd collider podcast the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them i'm ariel caston and with me as always is the incredibly generous and awesome jonathan strickland
1: hey y'all so much for easing back into things
0: yeah uh we got we got us a lot of stories to talk about
1: yeah and, this and personal stuff too
0: and personal stuff yeah so uh jonathan took the brunt of building this episode because i had what we like to call uh larp post event drop larp drop all of a sudden it's escaping my brain but basically there's like this big emotional crash that you get after you larp um especially if it's the last game in a campaign or maybe the last game that you play ever uh it's the same kind of thing you guys like con crash um So I've been dealing with that all week uh, because it's important to listen to your body when it's saying, hey, rest up. And Jonathan very kindly pulled most of the stories for us.
1: Yeah, not all of them, but most of them. And uh, to be clear, usually Ariel does the massive amount of work for our episodes. So don't don't be fooled into thinking like Jonathan shouldering the burden here. Normally it's Ariel doing all that.
0: Listen, I'm a I'm a darn right slacker.
1: <laughs> well, before we get into we do have a the long awaited return of 30 seconds or less. But before Woo! we jump into that, I thought we could we could spend a little time talking about stuff, what we've been up to. Uh, and I'll I'll start off by saying that last weekend I went and saw the Marvels, which is, you know, pretty miraculous because I don't get out to the theater that often anymore. But I made a point to go and see the Marvels. And what'd you think? It was okay.
0: <laughs> Worth going out to the theater for?
1: I think I think so. I mean, there were some elements that have been plaguing Disney and Marvel for a while now. Uh, you know, like the, the bits where occasionally some of the CGI gets a little wonky. There's one bit where Captain Marvel, it's a clearly CGI Captain Marvel walking and you probably wouldn't have noticed except for the hair. The hair just doesn't mm-hmm. quite work properly. Um, like stuff like that, where you're watching it and you're like, oh wow, this is like a last generation cut scene uh, from a video oh, wow. game. That kind of stuff. Like, like again, like by last generation, you're still talking Xbox one. It's not the worst, but it's not like you sit there and think about how far we've come technologically with mm-hmm. CGI. And it's clear that the problem here. Is that you've got you've got artists who are just under unrealistic deadlines having to turn this out. And like we've said before, the Marvels got shifted around in its release schedule. It actually got moved up. It was originally supposed mm-hmm. to be later in the year. So, or like maybe even next year. But anyway, it got moved up, and so that's part of the problem, I think. But anyway, uh I had said before I saw the movie that I suspected you would really need to see like Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel and WandaVision to understand what was kind of happening. I stand by that. And I think it's the that's the order of importance. Like Captain Marvel, you almost certainly need to see. Uh, Ms. Marvel is really important if you want to know who the heck Kamala Khan is, because you don't get a whole I mean, you get to know who she is in the movie, but she just is thrown in there, right? And then uh, uh, Monica Rambo, y- you wouldn't understand anything about what she's saying <laughs> about where she got her powers or anything, unless you had seen one division. So uh, that's the other big problem that the movie has in the sense of like, the more you go see Marvel, the more you feel like I need to watch everything they put out or I'm going to be lost. And I don't necessarily have an interest in watching everything they put out. Right. Like, yeah, the stuff I I named I've seen all of those, but there's still some Marvel stuff out there that I have I haven't watched Secret Wars yet. But I can tell you right now, you do not need Se- to have Secret seen, Invasion. Secret Invasion, thank you, because Secret Wars is later. I have not watched Secret Invasion yet, but I can tell you, you don't need to have seen it because, <laughs> as far as I can That's tell, good. there's nothing in Secret Invasion that really has an impact on uh, the Marvels. I think it was entertaining. I think it was best when it was focusing on the three leads. I think it was weakest when it was focusing on the B story. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I also appreciated the fact that it wasn't three hours long.
0: Yeah. It's only an hour and a half, I think.
1: Yeah. Somewhere around there. Although honestly, even that hour and a half, there's a point because whenever they cut away from the protagonists and they're doing anything else, um, it made it drag a little. So even then I was like, oh, we must be wrapping up and then it just keep on going. And I'm like, oh, no, it's just because I wasn't enjoying that scene. <laughs> oh. Um,
0: oh, goodness. Do you think it hurt that we had so many friends talk it up so much after seeing it?
1: Um, probably. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't put a whole lot of my own reaction in because some of our friends are super fans beyond my own fandom right? And and they love these things so much that I already know their opinion is going to be different from mine. And, and that's no shade on them. That's who they are, and that's what they love, and that's fine. But uh, I wasn't too influenced by that, and I think that helped. Uh, I will say, I did think it was very weird that the bad guy's plot is essentially the plot of Spaceballs.
0: Oh, the, do I need to watch Spaceballs before I watch this?
1: I would recommend you don't watch spaceballs before you watch this, because otherwise you'll be like me and lean over to the person next to you and say over and over again, "This is just like spaceballs."
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, thank you for your honest
1: review, yeah, I, I, I think out of all the more recent Marvel films, this is one of the stronger ones. i definitely I definitely liked it more than Dr. Strange. I liked it more than Ant Man. I liked it more than the Eternals. Definitely liked it more than that. Uh, so I think this one was a, a, a decent one. I wouldn't put it in the top Marvel films. Like my favorite is still uh, Captain America. Uh, what was the second one? <laughs> it wasn't Civil War. It was the one between, for the Winter Soldier. Captain what America Winter Soldier. Say? That one's that one I think is still my favorite Marvel film. Uh, but. This one is definitely in the upper half.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. I'm gl- I'm glad to hear that.
1: Yes. And Ariel, well, you talking. you mentioned you kind of had your crash from uh the end of a LARP, but I think it would be really mm-hmm. nice if we could hear a bit more about what this LARP was and why it meant so much to you. The in past episodes you've described it as it was a LARP with a sort of a weird west setting. But maybe you could elaborate a bit and kind of explain what Calamity was all about.
0: Sure. So Calamity was a LARP that was run by uh, Rule of Three Productions. They're a group of of people that I've LARPed with for, oh gosh, uh, 20 years now, Um, off and on. I mean, not like always, always consistently, and I've done other LARPs, but this is the group that I always go back to. And they started seven years ago. Um, This weird West LARP that some people were super into if you like Westerns and you like Cthulhu and stuff like this was your jam. And if not, um, then maybe you would have hesitation. Um, And the setting was like, late 1800s, I think we started in the 1870s, alternative history. So uh, Civil War was not about slavery. Um, and other stuff and uh they were kind of trying to make a game because a lot of that player base is older not old but older you know there are lots of larp where so you've got like 18 year olds 20 year olds 17 year olds uh that come in and are new to it and this this player base many of them having we had new players but many of us playing for so many years together were older were more seasoned and a lot of them are like i just don't want to be in hell grinder field battles where we hit each other with plumbing supplies all day so part of i think the idea and i'm not the creator but i think part of the idea behind the western was a chance for us to shoot nerf guns at each other instead which is um there was there was still physical like melee combat but um that was fun and the really interesting thing about this game is that it had an explosion of players at the beginning. It had like over a hundred PCs, which is a lot. And it's a lot to plan for. And uh, everybody kind of was playing their own own game. Like you'd find a group of people who had similar interests or a similar character job or similar skill sets. And you'd all kind of like play your own game. So uh, Weird West, I'm sorry, there's just, it's seven years. We, we had a two-year break because of the pandemic. So really five years of gameplay, but um, so much went on. And as we all talk about it on Discord, because we all are in the Discord together, um, or many of us are, we're like, man, there were so many stories I didn't ever know were even happening because you had, like me, I was a monster hunter. So it was a very like uh, supernatural kind of a, a gameplay, but set in the old west. Um So I was, like, a girl who was raised in a saloon, so I was a a performer, and then I shot monsters. Um, You had, like, your Omnians, which was, like, the main religion in this game that were, like, it was was based off of Egyptian mythology, and so that was interesting, and they would go fight demons and stuff. Uh, You had Thurgists, who uh, were, like, Cthulian worshippers, who would do all that kind of, like dark magic-y stuff and and align with unnamed ones and you had uh people who were like crossroad demon poker magic people you had people who uh were like there was an entire plot line kind of based off of big trouble little china um so like all different sorts of people characters kinds of things you could play all into this world where a calamity happened a fog rolled over the land monsters appeared dead started raising um and crazy things started happening and we all come to carrion creek to which was where the game was set most of the time to explore these supernatural and weird things that are happening after this unexplained fog rolled in um and then beyond that there were politics it was all all kinds of storylines so um yeah it was just it was fighting monsters in in the old west and we'd shoot each other with guns and uh there was it was really cool because there were skill sets for like I could sing for five minutes and reset people's abilities um or grit or whatever it was um it was a really fun game, and when I went into it, I was at a place in my life and my career where I was a little bit burnt out, I was still working at my last job, and I was trying to get my acting career up, and I was like i don't know if I will have time to devote to another game. And so I made a character where I was like, I'm going to sing and I'm going to shoot things and I don't need to know anything else. Uh, And like, I thought I was not going to get involved. I wasn't going in with a team of people. I was going in by myself. I, Ariel, am socially awkward. So I don't always make uh, friends right away in group settings. Um, Not because I'm not likable, because I'm shy. And the plot said, don't worry about it. We got you. They helped. Uh, they added pieces to, like, my character history that gave her, like, madness. You could also, for all the crazy things you saw, like, uh, the the Cthulian worshipers worshippers sum- summoned, like, a great white worm at one point that was, like, this giant construction built out of hula hoops and tarp that many people piloted and they had to fight it. who um, was really, really cool. Uh, like, when you saw things that were upsetting like that, you'd gain madness and you could get special skills from it or you could treat your madness and you'd, you know. Not get disadvantages from it or advantages from it. It, w- it was really how you played the game. Um, I'm explaining everything very poorly. Um, so, yeah, plot helped. I went in, I fell in love with this character. Um, they listened to all of my feedback. I got to do everything my character wanted to do, everything the team I found wanted to do. The last game was amazing. And then I came home and I had to write the end of my character's story. And I just, I, this, I'm, when I started Calamity, I'm like, This is going to be my last LARP. I don't have time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the brain power. I've known these people forever, and I like spending time with them. And I'm sure I will spend time with them outside of the LARP I'm going to make a point to. But uh, now I'm like, can I really give this up? But stepping out of the game for the last time, it was very sad because I knew it might be my final game. That being said, if it was my final game of my final campaign, it was the best possible way to go out. I loved my story. I love the end, even though my story made me cry. The the end, my epilogue is not entirely happy because it's, I, I it was, it's kind of Dean, Dean Winchester if you watch supernatural. Um, and so, yeah, that's a whole bunch of rambling information that you probably have no idea. any better about the game than when I started.
1: I, I don't think so. I think, I think like the, what I took, took away is that, You know, the Weird West is the genre. The setting is this mysterious place and it's set in a a time that there's an inflection point and no one's really sure Mm -hmm. what that means and that lots of characters had their own individual stories. So while there is like an ongoing arc that's happening, a big, big arc. Your, your participation in that big arc might be on a little side channel and you may only be slightly aware of what's going on because, you know, you're, which is just like the real world, right? Like in the real world, Mm -hmm. there are big things that are happening, but often as individuals, we aren't playing a a pivotal role in the big things that are happening. We're still living out our lives and we're still doing important stuff, especially important to our own individual, you know, livelihoods or whatever. So I think you did Mm -hmm. a good job. And um, I'll say this, like I was really tempted to make a character back when this, when this was still just in the conceptual phase and I was aware of it, I really was tempted to make a character so much so that I even bought a couple of costume pieces that I still have Um, that uh, I was going to do like a a snake oil salesman, sort of huckster con man kind of character, you know, slight, maybe some overlap with gambler and uh uh I, I just thought it would be kind of a fun little role-playing experience. Mm-hmm. And it turned out I just didn't have the time to be able to do it. So I ultimately did not play a part in this game. But I would occasionally get to see things like photos from games and stuff. The thing I loved was seeing how people would modify Nerf guns to make it look like they were these weird steampunky old West kind of guns. And there were some really creative folks who were working on that kind of yeah. stuff. And I just like how neat that was. It was just really cool.
0: Yeah, I part of the reason I like this group is because of the level of commitment they put into costume, they put into props, they put into set pieces, they put into the immersion of it all, because, you know, when you watch a documentary or LARPing or a movie about it or whatever, you're not in there, you're not immersed you're not involved in creating the story so it looks kind of dorky but when you're in there it's really wonderful and yeah they made a whole freaking mummy that people could dissect at one point in time it was brilliant uh people worked long and hard a lot of people for this game are actually making like shadow boxes of their props and important little pieces and bits that they got throughout the game um which is really nice uh the the i got a holy weapon uh to to fight with the omnians. Cause that's the way my character life went kind of like the, the cult from supernatural, but it's a giant r- uh nerf rifle, modded nerf rifle. So I can't really fit that into a shadow box. Still trying to figure out what to do. Overarching. I mean, you got
1: like, to have a place that has a fireplace and then you mount it above the,
0: <laughs> the yeah. fireplace. Uh, like, Generally, I'm not into guns, but I put a lot of work into like my two little revolvers that I started off with. I modded those myself mm-hmm. um, and it was fun and it was good and it was rewarding. Um, and I'm going to keep these things because a lot of time and effort has been put into them and they're fun. And hey, I can shoot nerf darts at people. Um, the overarching story each year was like uh, we would fight a different basically horseman of the apocalypse. So war, pestilence, hunger, um, death. So that was like kind of the over overarching Bad guys um yeah it I think you would have really enjoyed it. It was really wonderful i a lot of the people involved are people who are writers, prop makers, um set construction people, actors, dancers, uh, like yeah, it's just this game went above and beyond. They built an entire saloon that they put into the mess hall of the group camp each and every game with a bar and a player piano and all sorts of stuff, Edison lights, just the works. A lot of effort was put into this game and it showed, and it was from everybody. And it was just a really wonderful experience that I'm very glad I got to have. And I'm starting to like tear up again. Um,
1: Well, I'm really glad that (laughs) it lived up to its potential because so often you will get involved in a big project like this and, and the, realization of the idea might fall short of what you had originally planned and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. anyone's fault it's just sometimes it's so hard to achieve the vision yeah. that it just doesn't happen it sounds to me like this one really did a great job of realizing mm-hmm. the vision and that is you know that's that is something to really celebrate because again like yeah. I can't tell you how many times I started off really excited about a project. And then by the time the project came to life, I'm like, yeah, this is not what I was hoping. Like now I kind of regret being involved because it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, which is a terrible perspective, but it does happen to me (laughs) quite a bit. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I, I love hearing stories like this. Like it's, it's, it's so, it's so rewarding just knowing that this group of people, were able to tell this big collective story that mm-hmm. had a lot of meaning to a lot of folks and that it came to a really satisfying conclusion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it it was just brilliant. I really look forward to seeing what what all of the people involved do in the future whether it's larping or something else because so many of them are creative people and they they just are constantly putting amazing works of art and creativity into the world. Um, we did have, so some of our players and some of our plot members, when I started LARPing with them, had children uh, early in my LARP career, maybe not in theirs. Those children started playing Calamity uh, at an early age, which Calamity was an adult game. It was made for adults. You know, it's the Wild West. You have saloon girls and Cthulhu gods and things like that. But because they were raised by their parents who were also working or playing the game, they were able to watch their kids. Those kids ended up, by the end of the campaign, writing and running stories and just brilliant, creative people themselves. And that also, they are I mean, they're not kids anymore. They're all off at college now, but they they all came back for the last couple of games. But it that also has been so cool to watch and so cool to be a part of. So uh, special props to them. I don't think they listen to this show, but special props to them cuz they're super super awesome. Um yeah, and so like it's kind of the the crash I'm having is the same sort of thing you have to after have after a convention, you just need to like eat and tell yourself it's temporary and find similar people to talk to and rest and get back to your normal habits. Um and it's great. Uh tangentially, one of the awesome people who I larp with, Katie Downey, um a lot of the a lot of the awesome people that I larp with have been mentioned on the show, but Katie Downing is getting mentioned because one, she posted the article on how to deal with post con larp drop, and it's super helpful. And two, uh, I found out that she does uh, a, the D four d and D live stream um, each week on Sunday nights, which is really cool. She's really good. Uh, her character is becoming like Wizard of the Coast canon.
1: That's awesome.
0: Is getting released as Wizards of the Coast canon. Yeah, I think it's super cool. She's awesome. She does a ton of live streams. Uh, If you like that sort of thing, you should check her out. I'm not going to always show my friends, but when they're doing really amazing things, I'm definitely going to uh, call them out because they're awesome.
1: That's great. Wow. I'm so glad you were able to share that. We weren't sure if Ariel was going to be able to share that because, I mean, look, like I really think when you conclude something like this, you actually do go through a sort of grieving process It's, it's not that dissimilar. Like the things I equate it to are when you are part of like a really strong cast for, um, for a play, right. And you've gone through a full Mm -hmm. production of the play and then the show's over. And now that family you've created breaks apart. And, or I think about the Georgia Renaissance festival for some of the really strong years of cast, it wasn't always true, which is kind of unfortunate, but on the really good years, like on that last day, you might sing a song like here's a health to the company, which actually has the line. We may or might never all meet here again. And yeah. and that line has a really powerful hit to it because it's true. The next the next season, you're going to they not everyone comes back. New people come on and it's a new family. And sometimes that new family has its own kind of special place in your heart. Sometimes it doesn't, which is really sad. And yeah. uh, but it's it's one of those things you go through this, this, this feeling, this series of feelings, and it's really meaningful. Like,
0: yeah,
1: I get that there are a lot of jokes around LARPing that, again, like you were saying, Ariel, from the outside, it might look silly or dorky or whatever. But for the people who are part of this, who are telling stories, I mean, storytelling is a central part of the human experience. It's how we contextualize everything in our lives. We do it by organizing it into stories. And when you are part of the creation of a story like that, it can have a really huge impact. And uh, yeah, so I'm glad that you were able to, uh, to, to come across resources that help you with that in the aftermath, because you know, it's, it's it, it. really can be a, a big hit. I know we have mutual friends who, at the end of a Garf season, would really struggle with depression afterward because they felt like their family was gone, and I totally get that. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. I mean, yeah. and and even if not the other people, like the other the characters, and I had this at Garf too. I've I have not had as much trouble stepping out of a character as I have with this particular one, but I you know there is always some level of that um because even the character that you've built, you've spent so much time developing who they are and walking in their shoes that they're loved ones, and now you have to say goodbye, and you may like you said you might never see them again, so yeah
1: yeah this is this is why I typically create real dirt bags for garf characters because <laughs> it's a lot easier to walk away from them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, my, uh, my well, characters in uh, Garf
1: are almost always terrible. Just so you all know, except with the exception of William Shakespeare, one season I played William Shakespeare, but every other season I was playing a very uh, uh, self obsessed uh, narcissist. So it was pretty easy to walk away from.
0: <laughs> uh, it, like, it might have been easy for you to walk away from them, but uh, they were still lovable despite your best. Uh, efforts. Yes. At least some The, of them. Little,
1: the uh, little girls that followed me around proved you you right on that. I was, it was so <laughs> frustrating to play a bad guy and have these little girls just absolutely yeah. love me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of hard to walk away. Oh, no. We can't even get into that. We have to do our 30 seconds or less. Yeah, that's oh, I right. I had such a good segue. You did. Ah, and we're almost okay. half
1: an hour in and now it's time for our opening segment. 30 seconds or less. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to go through this super fast and and I'll start off, but we're going to do the old back and forth. And uh, I actually have not scripted this one out. So we'll see how well I I handle. I know this first one will be fast. So here we go (laughs) now. So December 6th, if you are a fan of James Cameron's The Abyss, it is getting re-released for one night only, and it will be displayed in 4K resolution in theaters. So if uh, you're a fan or if you've never seen The Abyss and you want to check it out, you can do so in the theaters on December 6th. Go and see if it's going to be playing in your local theater. I will tell you, it's long and the water is aliens. Spoiler!
0: I've never seen The Abyss. Okay. uh, Next. Uh, Bob Iger announced that Disney is developing Frozen 4. Uh, Jonathan calls it a Hail Mary. I'm going to be real honest. I only skimmed this article. The interesting part is that Frozen 3 hasn't even come out. That's only just in development. So I think they're just trying to grasp onto whatever interest people still have in that property. Is that a smart decision? Uh, I wouldn't think so, but I guess we'll see.
1: It's perfect take. Okay, next up. So, did comic book creator Robert Kirkman spoil who Stephen Yuen will play in Thunderbolts? Uh, yes, he did. So, Kirkman created Invincible. That's a great comic book series, great series. Stephen Yuen is going to be playing the character of Sentry in Thunderbolts. Uh, Sentry is kind of um, like a Superman with schizophrenia type character in Mo- Marvel. I have the hiccups. I have This is not going to be 30 seconds or less. I have hiccups. It's extenuating circumstances. Anyway, Steven Nguyen, interesting pick for Sentry. Uh, You would not think of him if you saw the character Sentry in comic books. I think it's perfectly fine to go outside of type. I'm very curious to see how he plays him, because the only thing I know about him is that in Marvel Puzzle Quest, he poses like a male model.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I It's 30 seconds or less. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Shadow and Bone. Netflix series that I was interested in watching, but never actually did. So I'm a part of the problem is getting canceled uh, after season two, before season three. They're saying that the amount of people that watched it versus the cost it was to make it. uh, Just there was too much disparity there. um, And, you know, that's a reasonable reason not to continue on with the show if you aren't making your money back. Also, pandemic and delaying the production of season 3 didn't help. Uh but this also means that if you were a fan of the show, Six of Crows the spin-off series has also been canceled.
1: Bummer. Finally, could the internet's Zaddy, Pedro Pascal, be joining the MCU? Well, the rumor is that he is considered to be in the lead to play Reed Richards aka Mr. Fantastic. Uh, You might remember that Mr. Fantastic was last played by Jim from The Office in Doctor Strange, and now uh, it's going to be The Mandalorian, maybe? There's a lot of questions about this because Pedro Pascal's dance card is awfully full already, but that's that's the rumor mill, so we'll have to see.
0: Okay, we're officially done with 30 seconds or less, so legit... I would be an amazing Ben Grimm across from Pedro Pascal. You're going to have
1: to stop. Reed Richards. You've got to stop campaigning I, to be Ben Grimm.
0: Why do I have to stop? They haven't it's announced just, any of the rest of the yeah. cast yet.
1: We all know the Ben Get Grimm's out gonna there. Be, we all know Ben Grimm's going to be played by a PS3 graphic that's that's <laughs> going to look terrible. I
0: mean half of the time but the other half of the time it will be a really charming and hilarious redhead who's a little bit rough around the edges aka me uh
1: (laughs) i mean i'm not gonna Um, object to you playing ben graham uh i feel like that might be as big a hail mary as frozen four uh
0: you know what both disney so let's do it uh (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure the casting director's a fantastic four. Don't listen to this, but if you do, I'm happy to send you my reel and anything else you want. Okay. Uh, uh yeah. Speaking and, of and,
1: hard tool. And, w- and sometimes I read for Ariel in some of those uh scenes. So if you hear a voice <laughs> in the background and you're like, oh, this guy would be a really good henchman number seven, I'm available.
0: <laughs> All right. Speaking of hard to walk away from characters, yes. uh, because I'm not going to give up that awesome segue, even though it no longer fits. Um, uh, HBO or Warner Brothers Discovery or whatever it's called now, Max, I don't know, uh, is not actually shelving Coyote versus Acme as previously stated, they have changed their mind,
1: yeah. So, we Talked about this last week, how Warner Brothers Discovery had made the extremely controversial decision to put what was being called a completed film, Coyote versus Acme, and had already been uh, shown to test audiences and apparently gotten a really good reaction. They were going to shelve it permanently and make make it a tax write off. And then after uh, the world (laughs) appeared to be like, come on you know and started to to really complain about this decision the company reversed its course it is not going to distribute Coyote versus Acme but it's also no longer going to shelve it which means that we will likely have some distribution company release it in either theaters or on streaming or maybe both which is great news for all the people who worked so long and so hard on that film
0: mhm yeah yeah. Um I guess we'll see. I think the front runner right now is Amazon.
1: Um Yeah. It up. and 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 uh, also like uh you know, I know that we didn't put this in our our notes, our lineup, but you, Ariel, you had sent me an article when we were just kind of chatting around earlier this week about David Zaslav essentially saying the writers got what they deserved, even even though he and Warner Brothers Discovery fought really hard to not give them that stuff. And
0: and by the writers got what they deserved, he means in the contract.
1: Yes, that they they got asking for right that that the the writers were asking for things that were reasonable, like the the pay raises and all that, like all the all their requests were reasonable is what he said, which doesn't take anything away from the fact that he he opposed it for so long and so hard uh uh, so i just want to once again say i am glad i no longer work for david zaslov
0: Hmm. i uh it's interesting he didn't say that about the actors but i guess that's still too raw
1: no Uh, those wounds are too fresh
0: (laughs) those wounds are too fresh uh so uh next we're going to talk about the trailer for the garfield movie yes there's another one did you know about it no i didn't apparently uh it looks like at the end of the trailer, I'm going to skip to the end before we talk about the trailer itself. They talk about joining the like promotional campaign for it, uh, which maybe was a tactic when actors could not promote the movie. So yeah, maybe that's
1: the whole idea of like, hey, do you have a cute cat that does cute things? Shoot video of your cute cat so that we can use your cute cat to promote our movie.
0: Yep. Uh, which for a Garfield movie actually looks pretty cute.
1: Yeah, um, like like it, it at least follows part of the movie follows Garfield as a kitten, and they worked really really hard to try and design Garfield to be like the the definition of cute to a point where it was actually a little disturbing to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it didn't feel like Garfield. I actually Garfield is this like snarky cynical character that I you know I don't even know how well he fits into current society and culture uh as as a character but uh he yeah they they made him very very sympathetic at first yeah and they don't make him unsympathetic the rest of the time but he does gain some of his uh
1: snarkiness
0: trade trademark snarkiness um he is voiced by chris pratt and what i will say is Whereas some people complained about Chris Pratt doing the voice of Mario. When I heard him as Garfield, I'm like, yes, he sounds like Garfield to me.
1: Oh, I thought he sounded like an Italian plumber.
0: Oh, jeez. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson did not sound like Samuel L. Jackson to me. Surprisingly few <laughs> MF bombs in this yes. trailer.
1: <laughs> Someone get that MF and lasagna. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, MF and table. I yeah, exactly. I uh I don't have any real strong feelings about this. Like it again, like you, Ariel, I'm like, does Garfi is Garfield first, was it el- ever relevant? It must have been. I mean, Garfield had like a Saturday morning cartoon show for a very long time.
0: I loved Garfield and Friends.
1: Is it somehow relevant now? I don't know. Um yeah, it's uh it's cute enough. I don't know that I'll go see it. It's not something that's calling out to me but I could definitely see my nieces really gravitating toward this movie based on that trailer.
0: Yeah. Uh, And you know what? There's, there's something to be said for taking the IP that I loved as a kid and making it watchable today so that I can share it with my kids. If I had them, Uh, I would prefer it with something like Phantom Tollbooth, but uh, you know, to each their own. Uh, The next trailer we have is, and and spoiler uh, alert, it's,
1: it's, it's all trailers. From here on out, folks. So, just so yes, you know,
0: yes, and also a good a good case for me on why I should help make this lineup at what when get when we get to the end. Uh, so <laughs> next we have trailer for Netflix original Rebel Moon colon part one colon a child of fire colon too many colons as Jonathan put it yes, <laughs> which I feel like also sums up my trailer watching experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. It's funny because when I told Ariel about this, she's like, didn't we already talk about this trailer? And it's because there was a teaser that came out and the teaser was three minutes long, which is that's ridiculous for a teaser. Teasers are usually less than a minute long. And now we got a trailer where we get a little bit more of the story. And it's essentially I mean, it it looks to me like it's another another adaptation of Seven Samurai like maybe even closer to yeah. Seven Samurai than things like the Magnificent Seven happened to be. Uh, as the trailer played yeah. out, I'm like, oh, here's another seventh son of the Seven Samurai for us to talk about.
0: Yeah, I um. So part of it, it looks pretty uh, and there are bits of it that seem interesting to me, but it very much feels like it's it's going to suffer from Zack Snyder's I have way too much I want to put into a story and I can't fit it all in. So here's five hours of people singing slowly at the ocean. Um,
1: (laughs) I think it's usually Uh, more like speed ramp, uh, speed ramp combat against each other and lots of, uh, of, of saturated uh, uh, lighting so that everything, all the color bleeds out of the picture. (laughs)
0: Yeah, there's a lot that he is trying to stuff into the world, you can tell from both the teaser and the trailer. Um, hopefully he'll make it all work. You know, normally I would say he he suffers from editing, and I I will still stand by that. However, having just talked about a game where you had 100 players all playing their own entirely different games that may never intersect. They did intersect, but you know what I mean. Uh, I, I can't judge too hard, but I... I do think for a watching experience, it may. I I hope I'm wrong, but it looks like it might be too much.
1: Yeah, to me, it just looks like what if Star Wars met Seven Samurai? Is that because I mean, you've got like the the oppressive empire like organization that's that's attacking, uh, like like worlds that are much less well equipped. So you've got the the rebel moon part there, right? You've got the lead character who is determined to try and and bring together a team of warriors and experts to oppose this oppressive force. And you've got the natives, the people who are, are who live on this, this planet or this moon or whatever, who are largely at the, the mercy of the oppressive group. And they're dependent upon these heroes to save them. And I'm like, I think I've already got this movie, like just from this trailer. I know how this movie plays out because we have seen this story before. It's just the fact that it's kind of in the trappings of a Star Wars ish setting. And and I don't know that there's more to it that's going to pull me to what want to watch the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Quick aside. This yeah. has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that I just remembered this and I meant to put it in our show notes that they are doing a boop. The musical uh, written by David Foster in Chicago about Betty Boop.
1: Okay. Be I thought at first it, it was has nothing to do a, with anything. I thought it was at first, well, yeah, first of all, weird non sequitur. Second of all, <laughs> yeah. when you said boop, the musical, I was like, is this just going to be a show where people just walk up to each other and then touch each other on the nose? <laughs>
0: I would watch Um, something else. I, I think I would watch. I think I would watch is the Netflix original fantasy film damsel starring um, all of a sudden her name has escaped me.
1: I didn't write it help. down and I, I have not watched this trailer since I put it on the lineup. So I cannot help you.
0: Anola Holmes.
1: Oh, oh, that actress. Yeah. I don't know the actress's name and I should. Oh, Millie Bobby Brown. Is that it?
0: Yes, yes. She was also in
1: Stranger Things, right? Um, Yes. She she looks like she's going to do a great job. When I saw this trailer, what I I was reminded of was a 1980s film that was actually released under one of Disney's, um, not the proper Disney uh, label, but one of Disney's like subsidiaries. Uh, But there was a 1980s fantasy film called Dragon Slayer. And this movie, this trailer reminds me of Dragon Slayer, but the the twist is what if Dragon Slayer, but one of the intended sacrifices becomes the Dragon Slayer?
0: Yeah, that sums up what this story is exactly. Um, and it actually has like a very 80s feel to it to me.
1: Oh, no, it's, it's a
0: little bit. And I think that's just I think I think that's just because like a lot of the action has a little bit of a harder edge to it. Um mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's dark, but it feels edgy, and that I equate to like rock and roll fantasy from the eighties. Yeah. Well,
1: and 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 the premise is is dark, right? Because the whole premise is you've got this society that, in order to uh, survive, they've chosen to sacrifice young women to this monster, this uh, this dragon, and that presumably, in return, the dragon agrees not to wipe them out. And so they are, are uh, sacrificing women on some sort of regular basis. So that, that alone is a very dark premise. Uh And mm-hmm. uh, I, I do like the take of making one of those intended sacrifices, the actual hero of the story. My biggest problem with dragon slayer is that, I mean, there is one character who is a potential sacrificial victim who is part of the heroic group, but she's a supporting character. And the main character is like yeah. the naive young magician's apprentice who's trying to be a hero. I like the fact that the actual intended victim ends up turning the tables and becomes the hero. So that's what makes me interested in watching this when it comes out.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really cool, too. I, I, I'm i also interested to see how much of the movie is Billy Bobby uh, Brown. Billy Bobby Brown.
1: Millie,
0: <laughs> Bobby Brown in by herself uh with just cgi monsters in environments to go through like yeah that will be yeah because that's to always because that's a heavy load to lift
1: yeah super challenging it's hard to make that engaging like there are actors who have done great jobs with that but uh i think some of the best examples i've seen were because the the Uh, environment was partly real and partly CGI. So stuff like Lord of the Rings, they went so hard in making set pieces and stuff so that there was like a grounding for the actors to work off of that. I feel like that Mm -hmm. tends to work a lot better than say the star Wars prequels or the star Wars sequels where uh, the over-reliance on maybe not over-reliance, the reliance on CGI perhaps inhibited Actors' performances, which was complicated by the fact that at least with the prequels they were being directed by someone who traditionally hasn't shown the greatest uh, uh, interest in directing performances.
0: Yeah. Now that being said, the the later Star Wars shows on on D plus have kind of fixed that. So yes, that's yeah, because
1: they're they're using that big like immersive um, set, that se- semi spherical set where the actors can actually see the stuff that's behind them as opposed to just a green screen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't know what they're doing for the new Percy Jackson and the Olympians show. Uh, but I will say that's coming out on D plus. It looks actually pretty cute.
1: Yeah. I mean, the
0: pretty sweet.
1: I agree. It looks, it looks fine. Like I have not read the books. So, and I've never watched the other, the, the film that it came out. So I don't have any, yeah. Like, connection to the source material but i will say like if i were if i were 12 years old and i saw this trailer i'd be like i can't wait to see this
0: yeah yeah i know that one of my nephews is going to be super into it i i was a little bit old for percy jackson and the olympians and i think i've said it on this podcast but for a while i was getting it confused with atlas shrugged uh
1: wow (laughs)
0: completely different story yes
1: yes very different Uh,
0: (laughs) but uh you know i'm i'm almost a little sad that i was too old for percy jackson when it came out because i loved greek mythology when i was a kid growing up Mm -hmm. um and this looks this looks it looks fun and it looks adventurous and it looks like there's a lot of different emotions that they play on which is great um it feels kid friendly but not overly cheesy to me. And also it has Timothy Odmundson in it playing Hephaestus and like, you can't beat that because he's amazingly fun
1: to watch. He's great. Yeah. I I thought this looked really kind of entertaining. Uh, I thought the performances that we get to see the little bits that we get to see hint that there's some great chemistry among the cast. And uh, I think the CGI stuff, it was hard to get a handle on because none of the shots are lasting super long, but I thought it was appropriate for like a fantasy mm-hmm. themed film, like a a film that has a fantasy element to it. Uh, and I loved being able like, yeah. I love the fact that there was a shot with a centaur in it. And, you know, again, you didn't really see the centaur move, so it's not like you could say, wow, what great s- special effects. But I, I just thought the design was good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a great centaur! Uh,
1: hey, you know what? <laughs> Do you think the desi- I, I gotta praise where I can?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think the design looks good for the new Madam Web movie?
1: I am conf- well. I mean, Sony just continues to confuse me. So, so this Madam Web is another entry into their Spider Verse version offshoot of the MCU. So, like Venom. And Morbius and the upcoming uh, Craven film. Madam Web is another (laughs) one of those kind of offshoots. From what I understand, Madam Web takes place in yet another offshoot universe. So, like, none of these characters appear natively in the same universe. Some of them cross over Mm -hmm. from one to another. Uh, I think in Venom, we find out at the end of Venom 2 that that he eddie brock and venom cross into a different universe that happens to be a shared one but most of them are in individual ones so madam web first of all totally new take on madam web because in the comics originally she was a much older woman uh psychic um confined to uh, a a life support system that looks like a big web which is why she was called madam web she's not otherwise at Mm. all related to spider-man This one, she's a much younger woman. She's a paramedic who somehow gets powers (laughs) uh, possibly by uh, uh, saving Adam Scott. I don't know. Um, And then (laughs) you've got three other three other variations of spider woman or spider girl who are in the story as well. I had to look all this up, by the way, Ariel. I did not know it from watching the the, the trailer. Like you see them in their spider hero costumes, but I had no idea who they were.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I had to, uh, my husband told me about it. I don't know who the three different spider people are. I do know that Madam web in the comics is a conduit to the spider verse. So that is comic accurate.
1: Yeah. Um, she seems I, like who the, th- the web of lives or something like that. I can't remember what it's called, but something along those lines.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I do know that when my niece saw the trailer, she was super excited because a bunch of, of, uh, female spider-mans, and I get mm-hmm. that, but Morbius and uh, It's Morbid Time and, and Craven, um, them chips, both, uh, both, I don't know, they've, they've diluted my interest. I liked the first Venom movie. I thought it was fine. I thought it yeah. was cute and entertaining. So um, maybe they can get back to that. I just worry that it's going to be kind of too dark and kind of too, I don't know, something.
1: It's, it's interesting because it's clearly set in an earlier era than the Spider-Man films, at least in this universe, because like in the opening shot, she's walking toward a diner that has a payphone out in front. So like it's clearly set in an earlier time frame. There's one point where there's a guy on a subway and he's playing with a, a, a PSP, which was discontinued several years ago. So that tells you that it's sometime in like between, I don't know, like 2004 and 2017. So Mm. like, there's some interesting little hints there that this is taking place in a slightly earlier era that I think is kind of interesting. I thought the action looked fine in the trailer and like, I didn't Mm. like the lead actress's performance that much. I didn't find it really engaging, but no, uh, the trailer, at least, looked like it would be something i would be more into than craven or uh definitely more <laughs> into than morbius cuz that just looked like a train wreck from day 1 um and even venom yeah. cuz I, I i never felt the urge to watch venom this one i think looks at least from the supporting cast interesting the lead I, lead leaves me cold though
0: yeah she uh I have not seen enough of her work, um, partially because I'm not interested in like the Fifty Shades of Grace series. Um, But I, yeah, it, hopefully it's better and maybe they just picked the wrong clips. Um, Yeah, I I, I felt the same way. I was like, some of these, some of these supporting characters seem interesting. One of them is from White Lotus. Uh, But yeah, the the lead just kind of didn't grab me.
1: Yeah. well, felt
0: like it would be a very long movie to watch her in.
1: Yeah. It was, it's funny. Cause again, it's like what we were talking about last week was I had not been keeping up with the production of Madam Webb. So I did, I was not aware that it would be in a place where there could even be a trailer released. So when it, when I happened yeah. to notice it the other day, I was like, huh, wow. Uh, something else that made me say, wow, was something you sent to me that you had seen. This is one of the ones that you saw that we added to the lineup, which is the trailer for the second season of the MCU animated series What If?
0: Yeah, uh and it looks like What If.
1: <laughs> it does look like What If. It looks a lot like What If. There's a a bit where we see Captain America fighting with sword and shield and that looked really cool.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe they're going into Echo's backstory a little bit or an alternate version of her story. Okay. Which could be cool. Um Yeah, I mean like I, it,
1: I I couldn't get a strong sense of what the stories are, but the, the style, uh, is definitely similar to what we saw with the first season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I enjoyed the first season well enough, so I will watch the second season of what if, uh, sadly, that's really all all I got to say on it. Yeah. The stories didn't grab me enough to be like, Oh, this is what's happening here. And this is what's happening here. Um, but I've also been a little distracted this week. uh, The next trailer that we have is for Pokemon Concierge, which is another Netflix series. Um, And this just looks like a happy show. I I can't even tell if there is ever any conflict in it. Yeah, it's adorable.
1: It looked so freaking cute. Like, again, not necessarily something I would watch. I, I have no connection to Pokemon. I was never into it. So, again, I'm the wrong audience for this. But as I watch this trailer, I'm like, holy crap. They have they have dialed the cute meter past bursting on this series.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's about a woman who works at a uh, Pokemon hotel, basically. And she's like, the Pokemon don't tell you what they want. Uh, and it's just her making friends with all these Pokemon. And it looks kind of like it must be. Se- it looks almost like stop animation.
1: Yeah, I didn't look yeah. into that. It does look a lot like like if it's if it's computer generated, it's computer generated to look like stop motion animation because that's it it has the elements of stop motion animation, which I also dig. Like I like the character models. Uh, I liked the the colors are really they pop so hard. These Mm -hmm. colors. Uh, It just looks like a really delightful little series. And, you know, I think if you can create a delightful series about animals that are forced to fight each other for our amusement, having a chance to go on vacation, you should do it.
0: Yeah. I, it honestly kind of gave me like a wuzzles feel. I don't know why mm. that's probably after your time.
1: Yeah. I I have heard the word before.
0: <laughs> well, if you know what the wuzzles are and you watch the Pokemon concierge uh, trailer, let me know if you get the same vibes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the next thing I also didn't know was happening. I'm actually super excited for, which is a new uh, entry into the Mr. Monk series.
1: Yeah. So Adrian Monk, Monk if you're not familiar, uh, it was the lead character of a television series several years ago. And he uh, is played by Tony Shaloub, And the character so is, is a, a brilliant, brilliant detective a la like Sherlock Holmes. He's one of those people who just has incredible powers of observation and deduction, but he's also uh, riddled with various neuroses and mental health issues, everything from uh, like a germophobia to agoraphobia. Like he's afraid of everything essentially.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he, he typically can only function when he has uh, a personal nurse working with him, who, serves to be the Watson to his homes. And so we're getting a movie called Mr. Monk's last case, and it will be on, on Peacock and it's, um, yeah, it's a continuation or a conclusion, which is interesting because like the big overarching story for Mr. Monk on the series was that you find out that one of the reasons he's as bad off as he is, like he was always neurotic, but the reason why he's, as se- severe as he is, is because prior to the show beginning, uh, his wife was killed. And so he is obsessed with solving her murder. And that is kind of an, an underlying plot point throughout the entire series. And they kind of wrap that up at the end of the TV series. So it's interesting to me, like this is post all of that. And, a and a, another story, I, I kind of wonder if they're trying to tie up any other loose ends, it's been long enough since I've watched the series that I couldn't tell you what those loose ends are at this point.
0: Same. However, I absolutely loved this series when it was airing. I've watched Mm -hmm. it a few times. Uh, Yeah. It it also takes place post COVID. Um, They make a joke about it in the trailer. Not an observation. It's not even
1: really a joke. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Other than to, other than to hint that it really did a number on Monk. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you if you liked Monk and you watched it, you'll also get your you'll get Natalie back, who was his nurse and Randy and Leland Stottlemyre, who were detectives. Um, so uh, I love that. I love that we're getting a lot of the original crew back. And and Monk went through a couple of nurses, but I think she was the most prominent. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. His first yeah. one lasted for several seasons. And then that actress left the show and then uh, Natalie became, I think ultimately was on more episodes if you were to like look at them and add them all up
0: yeah yeah and i like both of both of the pe- actresses who played the nurses mm-hmm. um it's, uh, something i i don't know the, the next thing we're going to talk about is kind of like my bane of animation which is merry little batman it looks like a cute story but it is such ugly animation that i don't think i'll be able to like it basically uh it's an animated cartoon it's very like kid oriented where uh batman goes off and says he'll be back before christmas and he crashes and so damian wayne his son uh ends up putting on finding his own bat suit and fighting crime and it looks like a really cute kind of funny story but it's just ugly it's just an ugly ugly cartoon i'm sorry to the animators it's just visually unappealing to me and i am sad because i know i'm gonna have to watch it (laughs) over the holidays and i don't wanna (laughs) maybe maybe i'd love it in audio format
1: is your partner going to demand you watch it and that's why you're gonna have to see it
0: yeah so we have a good friend who uh Every time that he comes to visit, he brings uh, like some of the Disney animated movies to watch. Mm -hmm. And that's what he and my husband do. And he's probably going to visit after like between Christmas and the new year a little bit, maybe. Um, And I'm suspecting that one will be on the list because that is how I found out about it was through this person. (laughs) I mean, I could I could sit upstairs and be a Grinch and crochet and watch actual plays instead of going downstairs and being social, but.
1: Gotcha. Well, um, now we're moving into my favorite part of every episode, which is where I flood the end (laughs) Um, of the episode with trailers for horror movies. And then I make Ariel watch
0: this. And this is why I need to, and this time they're Christmas. So they're extra bad. They're extra horrible trailers. I need to start doing the lineup. So you can't do this to me anymore. um, (laughs)
1: I mean, I'm always going to throw them in and put them at the end.
0: I <laughs> uh, Yeah. And then maybe I'll come in and I'll move them after you've arranged the episode. It's just, so just going to be, you're going to be,
1: you'll be listening to us, record the episode and hear live as we are shifting things around on the, on the lineup. <laughs> it'll, uh, it'll be
0: like the pink blue dress argument from uh sleeping beauty.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, make it creepy. Make it wholesome. Make it creepy. No. Uh, so the first one, as you mentioned, is the sacrifice game. If I had to give like the elevator pitch for the sacrifice game, this is only make sense if you watch a lot of horror. But I would say take funny games and combine it with the black coats daughter and you've got the sacrifice game. But again, that doesn't mean anything. If you don't know those, those two uh, reference points.
0: To me, it looks like if you took violent night and took any of the Santa or magical or, uh, little bit of kind heartedness there was in it out of it.
1: Well, the the sacrifice game is about uh, some students at a like a boarding school who are staying behind longer than their fellow students. And then there's uh, an a, like a, almost like a school invasion kind of thing as some cultists come in. And clearly the whole reference of the sacrifice game is that they're going to need to sacrifice someone to do whatever dark magic they need to do. Uh, which is why I think of it as like funny games is a home invasion film. There's a lot of uh fourth wall breaking in funny games. I don't think that's going to be the case for the sacrifice game, but funny games, very intense home invasion film. And then the black coats daughter is a movie in which two uh, women, two young women uh, students at a boarding school, stay behind during holiday break. And one of them, uh, turns out to essentially surrender herself to the devil.
0: That sounds so holiday. Lovely. Um, It's a
1: fantastic movie. It's not a good holiday movie, but the black coat's daughter is an amazing, very atmospheric and slow paced. I mean, if you're not into slow paced movies, it's not going to be for you, but it's got an amazing atmosphere and great performances. Highly recommended. If you, if you haven't seen it, check out the black coat's daughter. Uh, I don't know if the sacrifice game is going to be as good as either of those two movies that I just mentioned, but it does have like a hundred percent reception so far uh, only because the movie, uh, not only because, but I think largely because the movie has only really shown in like film festivals, specifically ones that have kind of a horror slant to it. So it's not like it's been screened to um, critics, you know, across the whole spectrum.
0: Yeah. Uh the next trailer is for Terrifier 3. I <laughs> Uh it's the third of the Terrifier trilogies <laughs> I'm going to assume. Yes, you're uh, right. it's about a creepy, gross, bad makeup Santa that eats children.
1: Uh so it's Art the Clown is the name of the the antagonist in the Terrifier series. Art the Clown actually appears in some other stuff besides the Terrifier films. It's a character who's been around for a little bit. Uh, The Terrifier series is essentially in the slasher horror genre and goes really hard on blood and gore, like super hard in all the entries. Uh, I do not personally find the Terrifier movies that entertaining. Sometimes there are people who do like a darn good performance in them, but I'm not a big fan of the films there. There there's not a whole lot to them other than this supernaturally, uh, resilient psychopathic clown monster decides for whatever reason to terrorize and, and murder people. That's about it. Like there's no other, there's no other subtle element to the film. And, um, This is the third one, as Ariel said.
0: Cool. Good talk. Uh, The last
1: trailer. Which is uh, this one. Look, this one's sweet. It's about uh, it's about children and their imaginary friends
0: that want them to harm themselves. It's called imaginary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This trailer, this trailer was disturbing, I think, Um, where Mm -hmm. we've seen movies like this before, too, right? Where it's a child who makes a connection with some sort of supernatural element And only the child is able to see and interact with this element. And of course the adults around this child's life just assume that it's a child being imaginative and that's it. And in this case, it turns out that uh, it's not that the child is, it's not just that the child is imaginative. They really can see an entity that is malevolent. And in this case, uh, the malevolent entity has a grudge Against the child's mother, I'm guessing they never really seem to uh, to nail down the relationship between the main character and the child. But the the older woman in her in her own childhood apparently abandoned this imaginary friend and it's got a grudge.
0: I mean, it also seems like it's got a grudge against the girl's brother um i it is done by this sa- it's done by bloomhouse it's you know creators of megan and five nights at freddy so it it's r- right in that niche of of creepy playthings. um it that one looked the most interesting to me but it, i still think it's just not something that i'm going to be interested in watching so i'll be in, i will be uh wrapped to hear your review of it jonathan
1: yeah i'll probably watch this one um I'll probably watch this one and I'll probably watch the sacrifice game. My guess is some, some evening I'm going to be bored and I'll watch terrifier three. Cause I have watched the other two movies in that series, even though, uh, again, I, I wasn't a big fan of either film. Like Some of the actors I thought were great in those movies. Like I thought they did a really good job with what they had, but neither movie I wouldn't call myself a fan of either of them, but I'm sure I'll end up watching terrifier three anyway, because you know, it's like, like how sometimes you know, you really shouldn't, you know, it's going to make you feel Mm -hmm. bad, but you just crave taco bell. So you just got to go out and eat taco bell. You know, there are better options. You know, you'd feel better if you just ate somewhere else, but you gotta have taco bell. Terrifier is my taco bell.
0: So I had Taco Bell on Monday and I usually feel fine afterwards.
1: Oh, well, uh, you're eating it differently than I do.
0: <laughs> I get I get like a, a basic crunchy or soft taco and it's like between 170 and 180 calories per taco, which isn't too bad. And I get a few of those and a sushi and I'm good.
1: See, for me, it's the bean burrito because those used to be it used to be like. Oh, I'd scrounge for change in my like I've going back to my college days. I'd scrounge for change. I'm like, oh man, I've got a dollar twenty-nine. Guess I'll go buy five bean burritos at Taco Bell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's another reason Taco Bell is good. I know they get a lot of flack, but I I don't know. They're they're one of my guilty pleasures. Um yeah. I, so that is it. Um I will work on getting these show notes up, show notes up, everybody. So you can uh, follow along with the stories and the trailers we talked about. I'll also link to my friend's live stream if you want to check it out, because she's a really amazing role player. Um, And I've gamed with her through more games than just Calamity, but she's awesome. Um, Jonathan, if they want to reach out to us about anything that we've talked about or just to share stuff going on, how do they do that?
1: Well, what you're first going to do is you're going to rummage around in your couch. You're going to keep on doing that till you get approximately 89 cents. You're going to then take a trip to the closest Taco Bell. You're going to order yourself a bean and cheese burrito. You're going to take that bean and cheese burrito home. And when you get home, you're going to open up that bag and you're going to see that they gave you four packets of the Diablo hot sauce. I'm going to need you to empty all four of those packets into the inside of your bean and cheese burrito. Then you're going to have to lift that bean and cheese burrito. You're going to have to close your eyes, count to three. Then you're just going to have to scarf that sucker down as fast as you possibly can. As you feel the effects of the Diablo sauce soaked burrito go down your gullet, you're going to start having regrets. And I don't just mean about Taco Bell. You're going to have an existential crisis where you're going to regret all the various bad decisions that eventually led you to Taco Bell. And as you get to the end of this chain of bad decisions, as you go back in time and you go through all the causal relationships that led to you going to Taco Bell, you're going to turn around and look back at where you came from and you're going to see a silhouette And that silhouetted figure is going to step forward. It will be me. I will have Diablo sauce all over my face. And you're going to ask your question. And after I let out what can only be described as a disturbingly wet belch, I will answer you.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's almost more terrifying than the last three trailers. Uh, If you can't eat hot sauce like me, you can also reach out to us on the social medias on twitter we're lnc underscore podcast on instagram threads facebook and discord we're large nerdron collider uh we do have a blue sky account that's a different handle because i couldn't get any of the ones we otherwise have and i don't remember it at the moment uh and uh (laughs) if you want to drop us an email uh you can do so at large nerdron pod at gmail.com we really do love hearing from you uh and until next time what, what, I
1: what, am what, Ariel whoa 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 wait. Before you do that, one last thing. Okay. Next week is Thanksgiving. So we will be taking a week off. Oh yes. Because we will not be able to record. Uh, I'll be traveling. Ariel will be very busy. So we will be off next week due to Thanksgiving, but we'll be back very soon after that.
0: Yes. Uh, thank you, uh, DJ Jonathan Strickland. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what? Uh, until next time, I have been Ariel. Christmas, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Cast it.
1: And I have been Jonathan Wubba Wubba Gobble Gobble Strickland. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Kasten and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Encomptech.com.